Hello, I'm Ashley Kaldenberg, the host of the Landest Grow podcast grain segment. And I'm John King, the host of the Landest Grow podcast agronomy segment. Today we are bringing you a special edition episode where we'll be joined by Landis CEO and President Matt Karstens. So Landis recently held its seventh annual meeting virtually, and we'd like to take this opportunity to offer an inside look at what we covered and, and really just get some additional commentary on this past year and looking towards the future direct from Matt. So Matt, thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. It's great to know. How long have you had this going on? Uh, probably been doing it for six, seven months. That's mm -hmm. great. And this is the first time I get to be on it. So that <laughs> tells me all I need to know. All right. <laughs> Farmers don't really want to hear from me. Well, you know, we, you know, it's everything's a special timing. Right? Okay. Here before Christmas, it'd be a nice little Christmas gift for me. <laughs> we'll see if they give us that feedback. All right. So we want to jump right into it and get started looking back at the annual meeting, the key highlights. We want to share the results of the board of directors elections. Um, we had three open spots this year, and in the first race, the candidates were Dan Ory and Rick DeGroat, with Dan Ory being elected. In the second position, the candidates were uh, a current associate member, Tim Colder, and Logan Fendrick, with, with Tim Colder being elected. And in the final race was Matt Showalter running unopposed and therefore being elected. All right, so Matt, um, you know, start kind of transitioning when we think about, you know, the board uh, annual meeting. Obviously, you know, we, we did it uh, virtually again this year, which I think is a great way to do it. Give us some of your key highlights from looking back on this year's uh, overall successes we had at Landis and what was maybe the biggest contributing factor. Yeah, I think is, as I look back to 2022, obviously it was an amazing fiscal year for us, both in, in the way of top line and bottom line and, and just overall feedback that we received uh, over, over the year from our farmer owners. You know, we uh, generated nearly $29 million of profit, which is by far a record, um, a big record. But really what contributed to that was, was three areas of, of the business. First and foremost, it centered around that top-line growth, so that signals farmers supporting us and, and helping uh, us carry on our mission across the geographies that we operate in. Uh, strategic spend, I talked a little bit about on the YouTube video, so not just the spend that we had, which was a record, but also strategically how we did that through partnerships and our own money and, and just collaborations in general. And then at last, and, and it came in both the form of grain and agronomy and even feed too is improved supply positions. And when I think about this, I, I think of our grain business and things we're doing with dedicated unit trains of our own, the opening of the Guadalajara office to sell direct to uh, Mexico buyers. And then I think about our agronomy business and, and as much John as I, I question sometimes what the, what the value of IEP was. It's clearly showing its value in a big way. And, and it was just a little bit of, of, of our rebounding in 2022. I, what I see in the numbers already here in the 2023 fiscal year, it clearly is, is pulling uh, a lot of value. So I really think our, our employees have done the right things. The farmers have responded. And it's an exciting time to be a part of Landis, and, and actually, as you know, from from years gone by, uh, this turnaround that uh, that we've had here. Oh yeah, for sure. All right. Well, thanks for that, Matt. Moving on, you know, you touched on this, but the highlight, right, of this annual meeting to me was the twenty nine million net income for the year in total profit. Um, you know, you and Mark Miner, Landis CFO, noted things such as consistent top line growth, strategic spending, yada yada. But I think it's also really important that we mention on this podcast because um, we've got a lot of customers that do listen. It was also reported that we had an um, eight million total payout to farmer owners. 
So patronage, you know, coming to Two Cents Per Bushel, which is really cool for me, right, sitting here on the grain side. Right. It's always really cool when I get to say, you know, you want to do business at Landis, not only because we're, we're fast and agile and we run the hours, but, you know, here's a little kickback as well. So, I mean, talk more about, you know, what excites you, you know, a little bit. We talked about this past year, but let's look forward into 2023. What's really exciting for you? Well, I think just wrapping up the, the 2022 quick, you know, part of that, that big $8 million payout is, is it starts with our board, right, mm-hmm. and the people that they elect. And I get a lot of feedback sometimes on some of those open positions. Obviously, we don't have any to do with that. There's right. a nominating committee that's mm-hmm. part of that. But I think it's also important to recognize other regionals like ourselves that, that aren't able to put uh, candidates up against it. There's just not the willingness or desire to run. And then local co-ops as well that, that are struggling. So it's not just a Landis issue. In fact, I think on a percentage basis, us having two or three that uh, that had uh, runoffs is uh, probably one of, if not the best that I've seen on the regional or local level. So uh, a big shout out to our nominee committee and the board for their leadership and, and helping us get to this point. As we, and the other thing I'd say on 2022 is just uh, another shout out to Mark Miner. Yep. This is uh, will be his last fiscal year as CFO. He's moving on to uh, chief investment officer as we continue to grow in the spin that we have. Yep. <laughs> Having somebody really closely monitoring these investments that I think we've missed for many years and, and a lot of uh, businesses and cooperatives alike have struggled with uh, you know, how do you really dedicate somebody to this and we've got what I think will end up being the best in analyzing that those investments as we go forward. As you said for 2023, I, I think the momentum is very clearly continuing. We didn't talk about this at the annual meeting, but through the first quarter, uh, we're up uh, quite a bit over our budget. So um, I like to leave those numbers out to the end, so it's a surprising right. year from now. but. Um, we're, we're off to a, a fantastic start already. Again, all businesses are contributing. So mm-hmm. our animal performance, which is our, our feed and soy processing, our grain business, our agronomy business is, I think, actually at the moment carrying the way on a gap to budget. So uh, it's great to see that, that uh, again, our farmers are staying with us. But at this point, I want to highlight why that is, and, and it, you know, a lot of the things I've already talked about, but particularly it's our employees. Yep. It's our employees and their families that have been in the grocery stores, at the gas stations, at the eateries, talking about you know, the difference and that there is a different day. I get about a call a week or more with a farmer owner that had an interaction with one of our delivery specialists or truck drivers or any of our operations employees that, that are talking the story and, and how it has changed Atlantis from how they're treated, the empowerment, yep. how they're able to do what's right for our farmers. And we can talk about assets, strategic spend, all the great things, CEOs like me lob out here. But the <laughs> truth is, it's our employees, period. When they do the right things, are empowered to do the right things, particularly locally for our farmer owners like your position, Ashley, the rest takes care of itself. And that's showing here bigger than anything. Uh, that we do here at Atlantis today. No, I think it's important too. You know, a lot of our success has been, you know, on the fact that you know, you've made the transition and you've really empowered our employees to take leadership, both, um, you know, with what we're doing in the state of Iowa and especially in our own community. So I think it's kudos to, you know, everybody in, in management and the board here to give them, you know, the empowerment back to the employees because it's it truly made the difference. And, you know, definitely from my seat, a shout out to everybody that's been working long hours. We've been going pretty hard for, for two months now and uh, definitely appreciate all the employee support. You know, and, and I was going to also make a comment back to, you know, Mark's transition. You know, just from my seat, having to deal a lot with Mark on this capital spend. Um, you know, I think it's something that 
is probably one of the more important things we have going on here at Landis as we look at our long-term business growth and actually having somebody that's really keeping an eye on what we're spending, how we're investing it, making sure the return on it investment is there. So, I mean, I, I would say too, it's it's probably one of the more important things we got going on right now. It is. I think the investment spend is, is critical. We talked a little bit about this at the annual meeting, but but Mark uh, and Appleseth, who leads marketing and communications for us, and Mary Van Dixon, uh, who's chief of staff, has really coined the phrase insights and infrastructure. Mm-hmm. And I think that's key as we've been talking for many years, uh, going back to mid to late 90s around speed and space. And in the 90s, even early 2000s, that, that was right. That, that designation decided which co-ops are still here today and which ones aren't. But I think as we look at here forward, that's got to change to what we're coining is insights and infrastructure. Yep. And insights is really how we take data and add value to the farmer, to the supply chain, all the way down to that consumer. And the infrastructure is things that include speed and space, because as you know, Ashley, that, that's non-negotiable today, yeah, yeah. And, and even on the agronomy yep. side, John, and feed as well. But also it's it's the software, it's technology. It's this whole thing we talk about around innovation that mm-hmm. fits tightly under there that supplements these assets of speed and space and so on. So. I love that aspect of it. And the other thing we've got to do that we talked about in the in the annual meeting is defining the Chevron. That's the little mm-hmm. logo above mm-hmm. our name. That as uh, as I think about the farmers that have called with um, disappointment or or regret on the direction we're going, I don't blame them. I, I understand where they're coming from, and the blame actually rests on my shoulders to to the point that we need to describe who we are now and where we're going and why that's valuable to them. And if they disagree with it, that's okay. As you both know, that's called segmentation, mm-hmm. right? We can't be everything to everyone and we're not going to be. That's that's in business, a recipe for disaster. And I think a lot of co-ops have tried it for many years and it's a recipe for disaster. So the, the clearer we are about who we are and where we're going, so when somebody sees the, the logo with Chevron, they understand what that means and if that fits their farming operation or not. Selfishly, I do believe insights and infrastructure is going to fit most everybody out there. Yeah, I mm-hmm. think so too. But for those that don't, it, it's okay. There's a lot of different businesses to buy inputs from and sell grain to. It's our job to prove why this strategy is the best to ensure our farmer owners have legacies behind them of generations to come well, of successful farming. Well, I think, you know, we've talked a lot about it in some of our team meetings, you know, leading the farmer into the future. Right. Insights and infrastructure is a really good way to point it um, from the standpoint when you think about the technology and the equipment that we're dealing with at our facilities, um, you know, we got to really lean into that because that's how we're only going to, one, um, the consumer of tomorrow wants to understand this stuff. Right. And two, you know, I look at it from, again, from the agronomy standpoint, everything we do in the agronomy business is about speed and efficiency. If you're not efficient, you're wasting money. Right. And, you know, when you think about insights, you know, a lot of what we're seeing from just switching to John Deere and being able to get all the insights on the machine data and how we're doing stuff, you know, we're making drastic changes to the way we operate our business for the better, to be more efficient, to cover more acres a day. And, you know, that's just a, as the farmer of tomorrow continues to get bigger and faster, we have to be able to, to you know, not compete with it, but keep up with it. Mm-hmm. No, I think that that's well said that as, as we look to the future. That's the game. Yeah. Right? And no longer can we just think about as farmers or even as landists the journey to our facility or from our facility to the farm. 
it's where that product's going to end up mm -hmm. and what needs to happen to that from a food, fuel, yep. and some of our extended geography and the fiber side to, to make sure that there's a pull all the way through that meets the, the needs, the requirements, the demands of that consumer. And I think agriculture is poised to do that. You know, we've got to make some adjustments in this thing of ESGs or carbon or sustainability, use whatever word you want, is real, but it's easily understandable. And we've made great progress as agriculture. It's how we take the steps to merchandise that in a way that, that tells that great story and brings profit, additional profit beyond the board of trade mm -hmm. to those farmers on the on the commodities they, they produce from, from grains to, to meats to to even milk in uh, in our in our animal nutrition business. Yeah, and I think to your point, you know, like defining the chevron, right? I think you know before really we've we've kind of evolved here as Landis. It felt like I was working with a bungee cord, right, pulling two different ways. And now it really is just so nice to, to be able to say, you know, this is what we're here to service for. We're really proud of that. And if that doesn't work for you, you know, hey, we completely understand. So, no, I, I'm excited to see, you know, as we come, you know continue to define that, I think it's going to be really exciting um, just as we continue to get more and more comfortable with ourselves, right? Well said. I really agree. So when we look back on this year, obviously, there's a good year in all you know, all associated businesses kind of to take a little bit more of a segmented approach, looking at agronomy first, then grain, and then kind of finish up with the DMP business. When you look at what the key successes were this year, and then we look into, you know, what our farmer owners should expect for next year, look, just kind of focusing on the agronomy business, you know, from what you're seeing now, what do you think um, are some key, some of the key focuses around our success we're having and um, some stuff you want to share with the farmer owner? Well, I feel guilty answering these questions with the two experts in here, but uh, from, from my seat in agronomy, it, it's definitely collaborations and partnerships that lead to two-step model, mm -hmm. right? We have got to take links out of this chain. Everyone can't be pulling some of that profit for their own facilities, innovation, R&D. Uh, there's just too many steps in that. And those that have a two-step model are winning. Yeah. Winning really big, and, and in a lot of cases, that's not the cooperative model. Right. So we've got to advance this to to find that that balance that's good, and we're seeing it with yeah. the IEP relationship. So I'll, I'll simplify this one that that in agronomy, it, it's what we we knew when we came here, John. Yep. We've got to get to a two step model and really streamline this. And I, I can be very confident in this. If we don't, farmers will find a way. Yep. And that's not good for any business, particularly the cooperative model. Right. So we best find a path quickly. And I know you and your team, John, are on that. And, and you've got my full support, whatever I can do to help our farmers win in that business. You know, one thing I was going to talk about, too, is um, just as it relates to the agronomy business, obviously labor locally is a huge challenge. It's a challenge for us. Um, talking with some of our farmer owners, it's, a, it's another big challenge. Um, one thing I look at what we're doing at Landis from an infrastructure standpoint is we're trying to upgrade our facilities to be as least labor intensive as possible. Um, you know, I think when I look at what uh, Landis brings and offers them, you know, kind of speak about how you see that um, changing the landscape of Iowa from some of the new facilities we are being building, especially like Boone, that's going to be able to service entire state, any farmer in the part of the state. Well, I, I definitely, Boone, uh, your work in Iowa Falls is, yep. as a bridge to Boone is, is critical. So having a facility that we can bring in products, as you know, John, by rail. Yep. Um, so think about bringing in the major uh, CP products like glyphosate and phenoxies by rail. 
being able to unload those, put them in package sizes that are convenient or appropriate for our farmers. Uh, that's a big deal. Yep. Being able to centralize that to have a better control of our inventory and know from your seat what we have, what we don't have, and then within hours dispersing that across not just our big geography of Iowa, but into to our southern Minnesota, our new geographies over in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan. I think that'll be a good play for that as well. And, and as that business grows, we'll need to duplicate that boom model out in that, that eastern corn belt mm -hmm. and, and even as we move into the western and, and southern corn belts. Uh, so I think there's a lot of opportunities that that, that model is going to give. But that is only going to work if we get the two-step executed, yep. right? So I think we're going down parallel paths because we, through IEP relationship, uh, have, have enjoyed that journey and, and feel like we can go ahead and take that step to a boom. And you see it every day. I see every day. The P&L is responding even bigger on, yep. on agronomy for 2023 fiscal. Well, and one thing that really excites me is, you know, with having some of these new relationships, long-term, we're going to be able to look at even manufacturing some of our own products for our farmer owners here in Central Iowa, that or Illinois or Michigan, that is really specific to what they need on their farm operation. And, you know, I really appreciate the board's leadership and your leadership on getting that project pushed through. Well, it has to happen, and, and our farmers need it. And, and our, our farmers, for the most part, in 2022, cropping year, mm -hmm. they didn't have an issue with supply. Right. Uh, there was a lot of pain and effort that went into it. Iowa Falls yep. was a big help, but uh, this is what we've got to do, yep. you know, and although there's folks in the channel that don't want to see this for their own livelihoods, it's not about them for us. It's about the farmer. That's right. And our farmers are clear what they want. And again, if we don't, they will solve it on their own. Yep. And uh, I don't want them to have to do that because that takes away the power of, of what the clock will uh, we'll set up to do. Yeah, absolutely Kind of moving on to grain, right? I can't let John get the only insight. <laughs> <laughs> you know, as we move into 2023 fiscal, obviously we're sitting here in it today. You know, what do you think are the key ways to success in grain? Well, Ashley, you live it every day. Like I like a comment to John, but but first I want to say our effort of our grain buyers through the Grow Solution Center and, and work that, that they have and folks that like you that are kind of a foot in both mm -hmm. have made a big difference. Uh, over 200 million bushels procured. Uh, last year originated that that's phenomenal and I know what you guys have set for a goal next year and I'm uh, this 2023 cropping year I think you'll hit it mother nature willing of course mm -hmm. uh, they uh, we got to get a crop yep. but that on-farm support the pricing the creativity of our, of our of our grain programs the willingness to to meet the farmer where they do business and find a solution that helps us do what we should have been doing for many years which is find the best market for their grain. Mm -hmm. I don't care if that's ethanol, feed, rail, other consumption, that's the job. So where your team's originating it, the, the merchandising team is helping find those markets that create the most value. Uh, it, it shows again in the P&L and, and the top line of what's going on on bushels there. So one is that on-farm support. Second is, is our rail business, that that has strengthened not just by now three unit trains that are dedicated to us, but the, the movement that we have, like in Mexico, where we have the direct relationship and can rail directly into the uh, the buyer and take steps out of that, mm -hmm. like we talk about it, John, that's not quite as prevalent in green, but uh, you can see the benefits of that as, uh, as as you all move forward with that strategy and then that rail business is our future. And I think yeah. as we have geogra geographical areas around the globe, particularly here in the States and Mexico and Canada that need our green, there's only one way to get it. They're not going to truck it down there. In some yeah. cases, you could barge it, but 
there's still additional journeys that have to come. Rail is the best strategy, and we've been vocal about the rail strike and helping make sure there is a healthy rail business going forward. And then third, but but not least, in, in grain is really like I talked about on agronomy, we have to have geographical expansion mm-hmm. because mother nature does happen. Oh, yeah. And when we have a, a, a multi-million dollar contract with, with end users, they don't want to hear about our problems in a geography. They want us to deliver the grain. Yeah, And no we have to have geographical expansion to ensure that we can weather against that and get that data to the, with the grain to those markets and supply that end consumer in the food, fuel, and, and other markets as well. So I would say the on-farm support rail and the geographical diversity is, is the future for us in grain. And we can see that business that's been kind of stale start to really take off both top line and bushels and bottom line and profits that we're returning back to, uh, to our farm owners as well. Yeah, well, I couldn't agree more. And I mean, from my point of view, um, grain origination has always been kind of fun, right? It's really fun to write farmer checks. Like, you know, I don't envy the guys that say, you know, write me a check for your fertilizer this year, right? (laughs) I get a lot more fun job. Um, But, you know, it has been such a fun journey um, to think about, you know, where we started, where I started four years ago in grain origination um, to really rolling off the bid sheet to now, like you mentioned, I just don't need your corn at Landis. We have contracts, you know, throughout the state of Iowa, um, you know, into our neighboring states. So it's really fun to be able to um, be more than just a land originator. Right? It, it is like in agronomy where we're supporting those manufacturers, whether it's from the mines or, or the, the production facilities of CP and C to the grain side where we're helping provide that grain in a way that may be a little more efficient and effective. Mm-hmm. Although in both cases, there's, there's channel disruption yeah. right, and everyone gets all anxious on it but when you do what's right for the farmer the rest takes care of itself and and that's the the value of the landis way here at, at uh, landis when i think you know back to you know being able to deal with the farmer not just at our elevators but other endpoints you know it really just shows again back to that empowerment that we really drove from the employee level is creating a relationship with our farmer owners whether they're right around one of our facilities or somewhere else and really being a good steward, steward and provider of uh, insights and uh, collaboration. Well said. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, as I think about my farmer group that I work with, they don't have time to call five different originators. No. You know, they no. want to call one originator and get the best bid. And so, you know, it's been really fun to, to grow that relationship. And when you have that, as you know, Matt and John, I mean, mm-hmm. that's worth more than a million dollars. Right. <laughs> and what you all do, actually, on the, on the grain side, too, is that, that ability to hedge and, and better market the grain, mm-hmm. not just today's price and get yeah. the best price, but what have you done with basis and and all that. And, and I see it every day with, with that team. And, and that's where I think uh, that grain business tied to these uh, infrastructures and insights um, are, are so important. Most of these are infrastructures, but it's just living that land this way and, and what we talk about. And when the farmer wins, the rest takes care of itself. Yep. Great point. Um, kind of transitioning to Matt, I want to make sure that we talk a little bit about the dairy and animal nutrition and as well as our feed business a little bit. You know, you highlighted that throughout a lot of the farmer meetings this summer and as well as um, the annual meeting. Kind of give us a little bit of a roundup. Uh, obviously, that's a, a very lucrative business today. You know, a lot of headlines on soy crush, whatnot. And maybe give us a little bit of a snippet of what you think about that as it transitions into this fiscal year. Well, that animal performance business on both fronts of that are, are just phenomenal. Those, those probably had the most stability mm-hmm. when I came here, and they've fully taken advantage of the, the uplift that, that Landis is, is bringing through the channel. 
and uh, I, I couldn't be prouder of them. So on the on the feed side, taking a completely different strategy that preserves the farmer's money. You, know, you don't want farmers' money going to build feed mills that cost 30, 40 million. It's a horrible investment because the integrators run that market and they'll decide. And when you add in things like cost, biosecurity on down the line, they have no choice but to own their own assets and control their own uh, destiny. And what we've done on the preliminary with some of those through uh, what we call Conduit now or, or originally uh, some other efforts. It's truly paid paid dividends in the way of mid states and, and standard nutrition. And now with A and B C and their own feed mill tied to our grain asset and agronomy business in that area, these are powerful relationships coming together that aren't just co-op to co-op, yeah. but private to co-op or publicly traded to co-op. That that's what has to happen. The farmer doesn't care about the financial or government structure. Right. They care about results. And we've got to start thinking beyond just our system of cooperatives and finding ways to work more aggressively across all of them, which I think a lot are in that cooperative space, but we're clearly living it here aggressively in that feed business particularly. Animal nutrition or the soy processing, or I think you called the DNP from years gone by, that, that business in Ralston is hitting on all cylinders. Obviously, it's got a lot of lift in the market with, with uh, the diesel market, mm -hmm. with soy uh, being a big driver there. Uh, renewable and, and bio that's hitting on all cylinders and we we produce a really good product there yep. and uh, bring that value as we talk about a lot back mm -hmm. to the farmers and the price of bushels so this is going uh, the way those businesses should and and i, I just got to say i'm proud of both but i want to really give a shout out to to that feed business you know i came here that that didn't look like a great business long term and uh i, I think our best days still lie ahead and feed, um, as, as I know it does in animal nutrition as well. So the, the collective group of animal performance is a big deal for us and what that means to livestock producers, the, the dairy industry, it's it's a big win and, and I'm, I'm really proud of how they fit into our grain first model supported by agronomy, animal nutrition, and feed. That's, uh, that's the role and they play their roles as well as any of our uh, businesses do there. Yeah. Well, thanks, Matt. I think that's really great insight for, you know, everybody listening here today, but especially our customers, right, to talk about kind of our different segments. But I want to lighten things up just a smidge here and just ask you, I mean, think back this last year, right, which I know is hard because they all kind of get entrenched into one big year. <laughs> yeah. But give us, you know, one of your most memorable moments from last year, whether it be something fun with employees or, you know, meeting with a farmer or, or something really exciting. I mean, I'd love to hear what your maybe most memorable um, memorable experience was. Wow, I wasn't expecting this question. So, uh, <laughs> the others up. I thought you'd ask, but this <laughs> one is uh, unique. So, I would say this, and this one has happened throughout 2022. My wife Shannon and I just just uh, went to Lake City uh, last Friday and had the, their customer appreciation event. And in that one, Boone's had several, Perry, Panora, um, I think uh, Odebolt's had one. They're happening all early, had one in the launch of their, their new uh, hoop building. All of those combined, and it really stuck with me with, with the Lake City is seeing the local teams, not, not even salespeople per se, but, but the local operations team and, and delivery specialists together, bringing our farmers to the table in a way that was on their terms. Mm -hmm. Nothing that had to be done by, by my staff. You know, last Friday, Shannon and I just showed up and, and yep. you know, Rick and, and his team there in Lake City were 
we're putting on the show and giving away some prizes and things to the wolves here in, in Des Moines. Just a wonderful event. And and I said it in the beginning, I'll say it here to tie to this that 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 memory of 2022. There's a lot of memories and some were tougher than, than others, but this for sure actually was a highlight. And that empowered employee, when they take advantage of empowerment, our farmers win mm-hmm. because they want to see those employees have the empowerment. They want to be able to do business with them locally or through the Growth Solution Center. And, and our teams are, are delivering that. I, I couldn't be prouder of that. That's what this journey is about. It's not about me. It's not about the uh, the team that reports into me. It's about those in the field that make it happen every day. The long hours you yep. spoke of, John, all of that coming together and, and letting them have the power to do special events. And I think even if we only do uh, lunches on Wednesday, yep. uh, yeah. this, those little things go a long ways. I remember when I was young coming into to the Yale facility with Dick Kipp and, and uh, Jim Stebert, names long gone now for us, but uh, being able to get a, a pop or a candy bar from yep. them and Names that I remember that I haven't seen for years. Uh, Dick Kip, I haven't seen it for, for many, many years, but a name I'll still remember because of that that interaction, and it does matter, mm-hmm. especially in agriculture and the cooperative system. Yeah, it's a family. It is, for sure. Well, I think it's a great way, you know. Um, I had a conversation with somebody yesterday about just bringing in new talent, right? I mean, that's a great way to get people within the community excited about Landis. But another question I have for you is we talked a little bit about empowerment, right? And I think... With empowerment came a lot of risk for you guys, right, to open up those doors. And so I want to tie this in a little bit about the Landis Way. So I want you to talk a little bit about why the Landis Way is important when it comes to, you know, the value of our employees and really why the Landis Way matters to, to our to our farmer owners. Yeah, so the Landis Way is agility, courage, teamwork, and speed. And those two bookends of agility and speed just aren't common in a cooperative world at any level, <laughs> yeah. regional or local, either, either one. And... Um, we're showing that we can do that. We've got the right size organization, geographical expansion, that, that we can use that speed and agility in a way that, that's un, unseen in the cooperative world quite candidly. And so off of that, I think that the challenges I see for us that we have to tackle through that lens of, of the Landis way, first and foremost, is connecting to that consumer through data and innovation and technology, software, whatever the case may be. That connection to the consumer, whether it's food or, or fuel, even fiber, all of that's important. And we've got to get that right and really help every day that farmer understand that the game that's changing right in front of, of them and their operations. Second is you know, this whole land ownership. You see major land uh, uh, owners coming in from, from China, the Mormon Church, on down the line. And, and just big farmers buying, folks from New York, folks from California, we have to come to grips with that's not probably going to change. And these land prices are getting to the point where you clearly know it's not a farmer paying yeah. 20 some thousand dollars an acre to make ends meet. Those are people buying it at that and hoping to sell it in a few years or, or more for 30 some thousand an acre, right? So that, that piece we've got to find a solution for. That's the cooperative way. It, it's not normal. That a cooperative would do that, but it, it, I believe it's our obligation of, of, as it is connecting them to the consumer. We've got to be something more than our past, and it's easy to stay in the past. I know it is, but that, that's not the landest way, as you say, Ashley. And then last is rural vitality. Uh, I, I, I fear where our rural communities are, are headed for. You just see the continued movement from less and less public schools, less and less places to do business. 
some of that's offset in the places of business where they maybe can order it online and get it shipped quickly. But we all know that last mile is the hardest mile, no matter where you are as, as, a, as an internet company and out to rural is a big hurdle for, for some of those to, to jump over. So we've really got to think about that because that's where a lot of our workforce is from. That's where our farmers workforce is from. When they have a breakdown, how quickly can they get something from, from a, a minor repair to a tool they need if they're having to drive an hour or two to get that or wait a day or two through the mail, uh, that online, that's not going to work. So I see a lot of things happening right in front of us. I always relate this back to back 30, 40 years ago when railroads started to, to be abandoned and turned into uh, bike trails, although you know the bike trail piece is, is a viable part of the state of Iowa. But I can tell you today, I wish we had a lot of those rail spurs back right. and yeah. rail sites and short lines to hit the main lines and go out. Today, we're down to 10 major rail sites for us, and probably in the state of Iowa, there's not many more than probably 20 or, or 30 of those, and uh, that, that, that's just a hamper to us. So you take that example and what's happening today that's going to have that effect that we can't change mm -hmm. 20, 30 years from now. And uh, these these businesses and, and uh, schools and that, I, I, I fear where that's heading. I know there's a lot of rhetoric around it, but I just ask our farmer owners and our employees to understand that, that there's change in the air. And let's look past rhetoric and understand what has to happen to save these rural communities, the businesses, the people on down the line. And I, I, I hope we have the stomach and the ability to do that because it's a it's a long hill on all three of these, but that last one particularly because a lot of people get a voice in that. It's not just going to be cooperatives and farmers yeah. that, that get a say in that. So we'll see how we do. We got a lot of people working on that, like Sue Tronchetti that reports into to Mary I've mentioned already. So we've got some smart folks that, that are working on it. We'll see where, where we get on that to help our, our field personnel and, uh, and farmers fight this fight. Yeah. Matt, we really appreciate you having on here today. Um, we want to kind of, I'm going to ask one more thing um, before we kind of close off the podcast. You know, I was going to ask you a challenge that you foresee with our farmer owners, really, when you look out over the next fiscal year. But I think that last segment you just talked about, you know, rural communities and something that we're obviously, you're super passionate about. And people have heard that message all summer. Um, and, you know, I, I definitely, again, growing up in a small community, you know, see the challenges that we have in rural in rural America, and I think it's a great thing that you know everybody that's listening understands. You know, here in Landis, it's very important to us, and, and I think it's great uh, testament to your leadership that you know we are here to stay and we are here to support the rural communities. Um, when you look at one of the opportunities that we have to help with our farmer owners through the next year, um, what would you say one of those key things from an opportunity standpoint? I think the biggest opportunity is is coming and how we put this whole system together to really make that journey to the consumer easier. We couldn't just do it with grain, right? A lot of folks have grain, mm -hmm. but without that agronomy play, mm -hmm. that's a big hole that's missing. We've got strong heritage and expertise in, in the agronomy that, that produces that grain, uh, and then being able to add value to that through either feed mills and, and the livestock side, or as we talked about through our soy processing and what we do with, uh, with our soy plus to the dairy industry. Being able to take all of that downstream and really connect, that is the opportunity. Um, so building upon our talented people, if we can put those, those people that are empowered and talented together with a movement that is all-encompassing here at Landis, no better place 
can that happen with the, the, the feed, the, the soy processing or animal nutrition, agronomy, uh, the grain business, putting all of those together, we can win this with our farmers at the center of those discussions. And, and I'm just excited about that. And I hope our farmers take the time in March, next summer of 2023, and every events that we have in between those points to come and, and be a part of the dialogue, see some of these innovations and meet some of these companies through that supply chain that's helping pull this along. And, and no place better to do it than our innovation connector yep. uh, here in Des Moines where we can fly in people to, to meet with our farmers and really bring this to life for them. Uh, it's, it's a great journey ahead and I'm, I'm really excited about what the future holds for Landis, agriculture, and agriculture's ability to serve food, fuel, fiber, and, and the other industries, uh, including tech and data. Mm. So our best days lie ahead. Absolutely. We've got to tell those stories and engage our farmers in our connector events. No, I appreciate those comments, Matt. And as we kind of round down here, I want to make sure that everybody that's listening, uh, you know, the recording of the annual meeting is out and available on our website. In the show notes for the podcast here, we're going to include a link to that. But again, if you go to our website, you can go ahead and find that. Uh, it's about an hour-long uh, uh, video that we of our of our live uh, annual meeting. It's definitely worth the time. Um, a lot of great insights there, and look at what the a great year we had as we approach the next great year um, here in twenty three. Uh, Matt, really appreciate you taking the time to come on and, and be with the listeners and you know the farmer owners out there. Any any final comments as we uh, look to the future here at Landis? Just uh, I want to thank our farm owners and our employees and their families for all they do for us, the farmers for believing, giving us a chance, and our employees and their families for standing up and, and, and helping our farmers do that. And then obviously with this time of year, you know, a, a happy holiday season to everyone. Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, all the stuff that, uh, that goes on this time of year. It's time to reflect and really celebrate um, the good things that are happening and, and reflect on the things that we need to change and, and deal with for 2023 because because it's upon us now. So yeah. uh, we wish everyone uh, all that for this season coming up. Well, on behalf of Ashley and I and the Grow team who sponsors this podcast, we want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today and throughout the past year. This is a lot of fun that we get to do, and, and we certainly enjoy it, especially with guests like you, Matt, that get to come on and, and really provide a lot of great insight and forward look to what um, overall agriculture is in general. If you have any questions, please reach out to the Grow Solutions Center at 515-800-GROW. we got a lot of great things going on at Landis right now as we approach the end of the year with chemical and uh, fertilizer prepays, as well as some good opportunities on grain. So make sure you reach out to that number. That is 515-800-GROW. And thanks again for listening, and we wish you guys the happiest of holidays.